Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 25th of April, 2010. Well, where to start? Recently, we've had quite a few pro-gun bills be signed by the governor. Uh, On my last show, I talked about several of the bills that were going through, uh, things like firearms preemption, um, things like constitutional carry. And that's what I want to talk about today is constitutional carry. Now, it seems that there is a little bit of, I don't know if it's... uh, divisiveness or if there's a little bit of uh, maybe controversy or maybe the word is trepidation with the signing of this new bill into law and what we need to remember and and this is something that i had discussed on the last show when i went over what does this actually mean constitutional carry so let's do a quick review on that and then we'll talk about some of the things that i've been hearing on other shows and on the internet, uh, some of the opinions that have been expressed. First of all, what constitutional carry does is it basically says, much like Vermont uh, and much like Alaska, that you do not have to have a permit to carry a weapon concealed as long as you are not a prohibited possessor. So as long as you're a person who is a law-abiding person, so again, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about anybody who's in trouble with the law, anybody who would not be able to purchase a firearm legally. Uh, this again refers only to people that are um, law-abiding people and that are able to legally possess and own uh, and carry a firearm. Now in Arizona, we've had open carry pretty much since the inception of the state. And I, uh, and I believe we've had concealed carry since, I want to say it's 96, it may be 94. Um, but we've had it for quite a while. And the way that the process works in Arizona is going to be similar to others. You have to uh, apply for a permit, I guess you could say. Uh, what you do is you go in, you fill out the paperwork, and you take a, uh, in Arizona, it's an eight-hour course. You also have a qualification on the range where you have to shoot at a target and uh, you have to basically uh, the rounds have to impact the target in certain areas Uh, and in Arizona it was I think it it was 10 rounds total uh, and I can't remember the actual distances but you had five rounds at one particular distance and then you had five more rounds at another distance and they all had to fall within a certain area on the target and as long as you could do that that was part of your qualification. And what that showed was you at least knew how to properly load the weapon, how to fire the weapon, how to, how to uh, in theory, uh, handle the weapon safely. And other states are going to have uh, more or less pretty much the same type of thing. Some will be, uh, some will be more, some will be less, like I said. Uh, also, in our course, the majority of it the majority of the eight-hour course was spent with going over uh, what does it mean to carry concealed, when can you shoot, when can you not. And it sounds like, well, eight hours would be a long time of that stuff, but there's a lot of different things that are covered. But it is, it's just a cursory 
course. It sounds and when and when people call it training, I I really think that's a misnomer. It's more of a, just an introduction. Now, some of the controversy or some of the concerns, I guess, with going to a uh, concealed carry without having a permit, so you don't have any qualifications that you have to meet as far as shooting at a target, as far as sitting through a class type thing. Uh, now, let's before we go any further, let's remember that Arizona does still keep its concealed carry permit si uh, system in place. And I will still keep and maintain a permit because when we travel to other states, I want to be able to have reciprocity with those states and be able to carry concealed there. So I'll pretty much always have a, uh, a concealed carry permit as long as they have one. Uh, if you look at Vermont, Vermont has no permitting system. So a person who's from that state that would go to uh, Utah or some other place like that, or maybe Florida or uh, Texas, since they don't have a permit from their state, they may not be allowed to carry concealed. Now, they may, as a citizen of the state of Utah, they may, or excuse me, of uh, Vermont, they may be able to uh, get an out-of-state permit that would be recognized by other states. However, uh, recently a lot of times what they're saying is that you, uh, you're, if you have, a, let's say, like a Utah permit or a New Mexico permit, Certain states now are saying, well, we only recognize that permit and you're only allowed to carry here if you're from, if you're a resident from that particular state. So you would have to be a resident of Utah or a resident of New Mexico or let's say Arizona type thing uh, before we would recognize that permit. And if you have an out of state permit, then we're not going to recognize it. So meaning if you lived in Vermont and you got a Utah permit, maybe if you went to uh, Nevada, and again, I'm just throwing out state names. I don't know if this is uh, the case or not. But if you went to Nevada, they may say, well, yeah, you do have this permit, but because you're not from Utah, we don't recognize that, and so you're, you're not allowed to carry concealed here. So let's get back to some of the concerns. A lot of the concerns that I hear when, when people are talking about and the things that I've read about constitutional carry, the first thing that they say is, man, this is great. What a great thing. I hope all the states go to that. But then the very next thing out of their mouth is, but I have a lot of concern because there's no training. You know, if you look at the other, the, the permitting system and, and this and that, people have training and they understand, they go through this course and blah, blah, blah. Well, like I said, the course is pretty much an introduction. It's very cursory. It, it does not Im impart the level of knowledge or wisdom or uh, proficiency that people seem to think that it does or that they make the argument. Um, now, I'm again, I'm all for training. But if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know that my philosophy is that if, you, if you're going to have a lot of personal freedoms, that that comes with a price. And the price is personal responsibility. So what you can't say is, well, I can have these personal freedoms and, and nobody else can, or these other people can't. Uh, you know, either you have something, in the case of constitutional carry, everybody who is legally able to possess and own a firearm is going to be able to legally carry it concealed. If your philosophy is, you know, we should be able to carry without government interference or we should be able to use the Second Amendment. That's my concealed carry permit. You hear that a lot. 
but then a lot of times those same people will say, but there needs to be uh, training needs to go along with that. There needs to be a requirement. Well, you can't have a personal freedom or a personal liberty and then all of a sudden start to mandate all these requirements and restrictions on it. And that's what it seems like a lot of people are wanting to do. But again, let's look at Arizona as an example. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to ignore all the data that we've got from Alaska and we're going to ignore all the data that we've got from Vermont. If people want to know what's going to happen, just look at those states. They've had, you know, uh, permitless carry for a number of years. Now, Alaska does have a permitting system, and the reason they do that is so that if somebody wants to travel from their state to another state, they can uh, legally have a firearm and carry it with them concealed because they have a they have an actual permit from their system if they choose to do it. If they're uh, if they want to get one from their state, they could then come to uh, Utah or Nevada or or uh, um, well, not California, but um, they could go to you know Texas, and that permit, if they've got reciprocity with that state, would be honored. Now, I spoke about this before, and in looking at Arizona, we've had open carry basically since the state has uh, entered the union, so to speak. And the, when you really think about it, and this is what I talked about on the last show, when you really think about it, and you and you you get rid of some of the knee-jerk reaction. There is no training requirement for somebody to carry openly. There is no training requirement for somebody to purchase a firearm of any type in Arizona. But yet these same people who have a little bit of trepidation about having uh, concealed carry go to a permitless, permitless system would scream and yell and kick up their heels and raise a huge fit if you said, you know what, if you're going to buy a firearm and you plan on carrying it openly, you're going to need to get a, a permit for it and you're going to need to also have training, mandatory training. And also, by the way, if you're going to even purchase a firearm, you need to go through a eight-hour course before you're going to be allowed to do that. And most people would say, no, wait, wait, that's not, that's not right. So again, I don't see what the big concern is. If, if you don't have any concern that there is no required training, and again, what I'm not talking about is that people shouldn't get any training at all. I think you should. I think you should get as much as you can. But I don't think the state should require it. Again, with personal freedom, you have personal responsibility. And what that also means is is that if I'm saying I, I, I want the other people in my state to have their own personal freedoms and their own personal choices, is that then I don't say, turn around and say, well, but there needs to be these mandates and there needs to be these restrictions put on that. Uh, you, you can't have it both ways. Either you're, you're for more liberty or you're for more restrictions. Uh, and ultimately, that's what it gets down to. And then if you say, well, what's going to happen if you know, so-and-so who hasn't had any training uh, gets in an accident and shoots himself or does whatever or is brandishing the firearm or is waving it around, well, then guess what? That person should be punished, and they should be punished for their particular offense. But every the, all the rest of us who are going to be law-abiding and are going to use some common sense, I shouldn't have to be restricted because of some other fool's 
inability to control and maintain himself. So again, I, I just don't see what all the big commotion about going to a permitless system is about. You know, it was the same thing when the brandishing thing came up, or the, uh, not the brandishing, but defensive display came up. There were people who were opposed to that. And I couldn't really understand why. Basically, uh, it, it strengthened our position as concealed carry holders and as just uh, even open carry holders. Uh, and I always thought kind of brandishing was a, a, a stupid thing. There was one, uh, at one point it was a thing to where, and again, let's look at it from an open carry versus concealed carry thing. Let's say that, you know, you've got uh, uh, somebody is, is threatening you or they're saying, give me your wallet. And if you, and if you at that time said to that person, you know, I'm armed, I have a firearm, I'm armed, leave me alone. At that point, you, you, in theory, would have escalated the situation because you would be getting into what they call threats and intimidation. Um, or if you moved aside your jacket and showed the firearm, again, you, would, you could maybe be charged with threats and intimidation. Now, if you look at an open carry guy, let's say if somebody came up to that same person who was open carrying, and let's say they approached him from the left side, and this guy's carrying a firearm in plain view on his right side, but the guy who's approaching him to rob him doesn't see that. And as the guy comes up and says, hey, give me your wallet, the person who is open carrying then turns and faces that guy, doesn't, doesn't say anything, but then the firearm is seen, and the guy who's gonna who wants his wallet sees the gun, and then he steps back and takes off, and he's gonna go pick somebody else to rob. But yet that wouldn't be considered brandishing. That wouldn't be considered threats or intimidation. Uh, so again, you know, a lot of our laws out there that we have are really wacky. A lot of the restrictions that we have, as many of you know, they don't make sense. Um, and again, when a lot of this new stuff comes through. And you hear people talk about, oh, this level of training and stuff that people get with these concealed carry courses. They're not that in-depth. Are they better than nothing? Yeah. Um, now, what I've, I hear all the time, people you know, whine and complain about, oh, training, 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 and it needs to be required in this and that. Again, my position is I don't think it needs to be required. But what's the answer? What's the solution? Um, I, I do think that there should be some general knowledge out there. And unfortunately, because we as a society and a culture have gone away from firearms so much and we get a lot of our stuff from uh, TV and movies, or the general public does, and from the media, which is, uh, which is mistaken at best, uh, uh, but most of the time it's just outright made up or lies. So where do you get the exposure? Where should people get that? Because, it, again, if you say, well, it needs to be required and they need to go through a course, what you have to do is you have to set up restrictions. You have to set up a system in place. You have to have people that can teach the requirements. You have to then have a uh, some type of... Uh, government-issued or state-issued ID that says that you've gone through this training and that you're now, you know, you're now uh, fully aware of the consequences and blah, blah, blah. Well, nobody really wants that. I think a good idea, and I don't think, I don't know if it'll ever happen, 
But I think that there should be, some of this stuff should be taught in the schools. And it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, an actual course that people take, but it could be done in assemblies, either from, uh, uh, either from local police departments or, uh, you know, from volunteers, from people who would belong to maybe the, your state pistol and rifle associations to maybe somebody from the NRA who's going to go in there and just give a safety course. You're not going to go in there and try and make converts. You're not going to go in there and, and, and that's the other thing. You don't want to go in there and, and uh, start preaching about how wonderful and great guns are. And in the same light, you wouldn't want somebody from uh, something like the Brady campaign coming in and being doing an issue on gun safety. What you need is somebody just to come in and say, look, these are the firearms. These are kind of how they work. If you come across one, this is what you need to do. This is how you handle them safely. This is what you should never do. These are the consequences if you were to use a firearm, uh, either in protection of yourself or in somebody else. Also in this seminar, these assemblies or however the training would be set up or, or the program would be set up, I guess, you would talk about these are uh, what the laws are in the state. This is what it means if you carry concealed. This is the, some of the responsibilities that you would need to take on. And again, these are some of the consequences. And again, something like that is going to put that general knowledge, general safety knowledge, what the safety rules are, uh, the fact that you do need to get some training if you are going to uh, carry a firearm, that type of stuff. People at least would have a good baseline knowledge that would be based in fact and not just something that they've seen on TV. And that's what we need to have in schools. Now, whether that would ever happen or not, I don't know. But that would, if we did have things where we had... Uh, that type of an education or that type of exposure in schools, then you bypass the whole thing of having to have a permit or having to go through special classes because, uh, again, that stuff has been taught in the schools and so people are at least aware of uh, the general safety rules and some of the consequences that can happen. All right, let's uh, go ahead and uh, wrap that up. Um, if you have any difference of his opinions um, or if my ramblings there didn't make any sense to you, feel free to contact me. You can do that one of uh, two ways. You can uh, shoot me an email at firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Or you can call me and leave me a message on the voicemail. That's area code 206-339-3266. And I'll go ahead and give that number again. Area code 206-339-3266. Um, now, speaking of contact, I did get a voicemail from Norm in South Carolina. And on the last show, I had talked a little bit about going out and shooting that uh, FN, uh, FNP-45. And uh, so he sent me a little bit about some of the ammo. So let's go ahead and drop that in, and then we'll talk about that when we get back. Yeah, Tony, uh, this is Norm Bennett. I'm from South Carolina, and uh, I use my 45. Hornady has a full weight 230 grain hollow point uh, critical defense, which I think is the gun's designed for 230 weight, so that's my theory in using it. Uh, and uh, Hornady has great bullets. Um, their bullet design is, is pretty good. I also have their critical defense in my 380, which is supposed to get, is according to their testing, is uh, uh, superior performance. So I just thought I'd let you know. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Bye. 
Hey, thanks a lot for that, Norm. I really appreciate the uh, voicemail. Um, you know, that critical defense ammunition I've been really wanting to look into, uh, it seems to be one of those things where it's like you have one of those, oh, duh, uh, moments with it. Um, it really seems like it would be a good idea. You get real good controlled expansion every time. So I want to try some of that stuff out. Now, uh, for those of you guys, maybe you're just listening to the show for the first time. On the last show, I had talked about a new pistol that I'd got, an FNP 45, and wanted to know if anybody had any experience with uh, different types of ammo for the 45s that they use. So, uh, But again, with that critical defense, when you watch the testing of it and everything, and this is just the stuff I've seen on YouTube and on a couple of the gun uh, the gun shows that I'll watch on television, it, it seems to get you know real good expansion each time. When they first came out with it, I'm not exactly sure what they... Uh, what they had, I think it may have been like 38 or 57, and they may have even had 380, but I'm, I'm probably mistaken on that. But uh, they now, I think, are coming out with stuff with uh, for 9mm in that critical defense, also with 45 ACP, and eventually they'll they'll get stuff out there. Uh, as If it becomes popular enough, they'll make it for some of the other calibers as well. Uh, but again, it does seem to make a lot of sense to me, so... The only problem I've had with it is I can't really find any. Um, I haven't seen any on any shelves. I'll see the empty space where it should have gone. But uh, I, I just haven't been able to find any of that stuff to give it a try. Um, let's see. Oh, I also recently went I went to the gun show. In fact, I went a couple days ago. I went on uh, Saturday. And I uh, went with a friend of mine who uh, is kind of new to the gun world and everything. And... It was interesting to uh, see some of the questions that he had, uh, and he had never been to a gun show before or anything like that, and uh, he's relatively new uh, to shooting and to firearms, but he came to the conclusion that he you know, would like to have one for personal protection and, and for some other things, and, and uh, so I applaud him on his decision on that. As many of you guys know, I'm a member of the Gun Rights Radio Network, and there are tons and tons of good podcasts over there. Also, uh, that's something I forgot to mention in the contact stuff. If you want to contact me, that's another way to do that. You can leave me a message over at the forums. Uh, and that kind of brings up something that I've been going back and forth, whether I was going to say anything or not. Uh, and I, I've been think I've, I've seen a little bit of this behavior start to creep in. Uh, and again, it, it's not 99.9% of the people conduct themselves in an appropriate manner, but I've seen on a couple of uh, forum posts that I've read where if somebody doesn't get the answer that they want or doesn't get the person that they're, they're, they're uh, replying to, the person doesn't say, oh, I was so wrong and you were so right or I've seen stuff. I've seen a couple of things where there's been some personal attacks, and I'm not going to go into specifics of what it is. Uh, but that stuff has to stop. That is not going to be tolerated on our forums. That's one thing that makes our forums different than some of the others. Um, uh, we are bigger than falling into the trap and reducing ourselves into name calling just because somebody doesn't agree with us either on a political thing or on a, uh, a certain issue in the gun culture. So I know people are, are very passionate about that stuff, but 
there is no reason to to fall down into that hole and to start calling people names and to start uh, calling into question uh you know their uh commitment or their belief in uh, the second amendment or in gun rights or in gun culture so that's all i'm going to say about that uh and again 99.9% of the people that are over there do a fantastic job uh but if you're finding yourself falling into that you know that Point zero 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 one percent you better police yourself treat others as you would want to be treated and i shouldn't have to be saying this but follow the golden rule when you're on the forums all right well that's gonna wrap up our show for today hope you've enjoyed it okay one last piece of business my buddy Eric over at the Handgun Podcast has stated that he'd like to send a message to you guys. Now, if you've been paying attention to his last show, last few shows, I should say, excuse me, he's made uh, some kind of a cryptic announcements that he's having some uh, life changes. He said it wasn't going to be that big of a deal, but it looks like he did want to make that announcement over here through song. So, Eric, we here at the Firearms Cafe Podcast, we support any decision that you make and any choices that you make. I have knocked on Fanny so hard in the past. I mean, you wouldn't think it'd be this big deal to blow into a, a weird-looking whistle. You take a look in the mirror. When did you get so sad? Uh, matter of fact, I just got an email from Remington a couple of weeks ago. He said that he was that I was losing him. Operating through the tailpipe. <laughs> Put on a clean shirt and new pants. Take yourself out to brunch. Coochie. Just a little positive attitude. <laughs> something a little bit bigger. Fanny, he's willing to do. Happiness is a big giant hole.
So, uh, hey, you know what? It is what it is, and uh, I got to say, it's a viable option. I'm gay. We're not all straight. Oh, the devil has given him superhuman strength.